Hi, I'm Terry Zabolski, pastor of Grace Community Church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I'd like to thank you for listening to this week's message. I hope and trust that God's Word is a blessing to you as you live for Him each and every day. Take your uh, Bible and let's, uh, let's look at uh, our text in uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, and as we continue, I've entitled the message today, Jesus, Our Only Hope. Jesus, Our Only Hope. Let's, uh, let's stand again in reverence for God's wonderful Word as... Uh, as uh, I read and you follow along, I'm reading in the NIV, Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, 12 to 26. Verse 12, And while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And when, Jesus, and when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground, and he begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hands and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, and he prayed. One day, this is another day, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law, who came from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. And some men carried a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles uh, into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately. He stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and he went home praising God. And everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe, and they said, We have seen remarkable things today. You may be seated. May God bless the reading of his wonderful, wonderful word. Well, Jesus is uh, our only hope. Have you ever looked in the eyes of somebody that is without hope? I say to you, have you ever looked into the eyes of someone who was hopeless? Have you done that? Uh, if, uh, If so, I say to you, you can almost never extinguish the memory of that from your mind. To see the inner terror of one's soul piercing through their eyes that of hopelessness. I have, uh, as a pastor, I've seen that as folks without any hope of being saved were, were dying. Uh, the sheer terror, a look in their eyes, uh, is a horrifying thing. I've seen that. And maybe you have as well. My father saw that with his own father, who had no hope of being saved, was cursing his son in God as he lay there dying the sheer terror in his eyes as my father recounted. 
The story is told of a man who lost his mind because he could not hold on to his friend and his co-worker, his buddy, who had fallen from the Turnpike Bridge. I went to college in a town where the northeast extension of the Turnpike ended in Clark Summit, just north of Scranton, Pennsylvania. And there's a high bridge that actually goes over the valley underneath this chinchilla, Clark Summit chinchilla area. And the bridge is maybe 100 and, and I don't know, 30 feet off the road. And uh, when they built that bridge, and it's, uh, it's common uh, talk around to the, at least the old-timers there in, in the chinchilla Clark Summit area of this very story. You see, the man slipped off the steelwork. And just as he was going, his good friend, buddy, and coworker grabbed him right by the, by the wrist. And the story, uh, as it was told to me, recounts that he held on to his buddy, screaming for help, for assistance, for about 15 minutes it's, or more. Almost supernatural, if you, if you will admit. Have you ever tried to hold a, a man's whole weight dangling like that for that period of time? Well, bit by bit, help was slow in coming. There weren't trampolines or whatever else to catch him in, uh, and he was slipping away. And the man looking into the eyes of his buddy, as he knew he could no longer hold on to him, and he slipped away. And he fell all the way down and instantly died. The man never recovered. The would-be rescuer. Well, after looking into the terror, the hopeless eyes of his friends, he never recovered. And though he was middle-aged, he spent the rest of his years at the state hospital there in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania. He lost his mind in what seemed like forever period of time as his friend fell away and died. Hopeless. Hopelessness. Hopeless. Have you ever seen it? I see it when I walk around in, 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 into the eyes of people. If you look into their eyes, it's not a rare occurrence. Hopeless. It's, an, it's a daunting thing. My son-in-law is a physician and runs medical conferences, and, and uh, he'll get all these experts at these extremities around the world to come in and lecture, those that climbed Mount Everest and were the medical support, or in the jungle, or down in Antarctica, or, or in outer space, he's had astronauts there, and those in the, the depths of the ocean, these extremities. And, and I, Faith and I happen to be there for one. I'll never forget this. They had a deep-sea diving captain, the Navy whatever, and uh, showing film, actual real footage of a deep-water dive. There was uh, some equipment down deep. I think it was in the African continent, maybe hundreds of feet down. And uh, they had lost the diver down there. There were ropes and equipment and all that. And so another diver was given the instruction to go down and to bring up his body and to uh, uh, some of the other items that were there. Now, what he expressed was the fact that in a deep-water dive, because of the, the, the absolute pressure, uh, your, your mental faculties are greatly diminished. And you have to think in terms of one, two, and three. I will do one, then I'll do number two, then I'll do number three. Any variables that come up, it's hard to imagine. Your brain cannot deal with it. You cannot solve the issue. That sounds strange. But to our horror, he had a camera uh, down there uh, and a light, and we saw the second diver, the rescuer, go down there, and lo and behold, he's right there. There's the dead guy. There's the rope and some equipment. And the camera is on, and he is actually showing the danger of deep water dive as the would-be rescuer tangles his arm in the, the rope that was there. Just, just got it like this. And it was so bad. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was, the conditions were so bad with the pressure of the deep water. He couldn't do this. 
to untangle it. And the footage went on to show his face and the rest, and I won't forget his eyes. He drowned. And it was not pretend Hollywood stuff. He was showing the physicians and medical support people what actually happens. And who can forget, whoever saw that, his face and his eyes of sheer hopelessness. He had a knife right here. All he had to cut the rope off. And the last story I'll give you that stands in my mind when I studied this text of hopelessness was the account when I, I read it. Did you, did you see that a number of years ago? I think it was in Minnesota. They were ice skating. And one of the ice skaters fell through the ice. And there was a current. And the ice was clear. And it wasn't that deep, but it was deep enough to hold him. But there was a weak spot. Went through the ice. And, but it was deep enough, the, uh, thick enough, they could see the, the person's eyes. And, they, and it was a love, someone's loved one. I can't remember. It was a wife or a daughter. And they drowned. And they're looking right through the ice. Would that be horrible? Hopeless. Now, it's not some of these extreme cases are the only ones that have hopelessness. I'm saying to you, I see, I see hopeless in many avenues. Just look into the eyes of people, and you'll see it. Well, Jesus uh, comes uh, into contact with some men that are hopeless today, and there's a, a, quite a message here for, for you and for, for me. Dr. Luke continues in this gospel of certainty, showing Jesus' authority to heal the hopeless. For Jesus alone provides us with lasting hope. Hope is a strong word in the New Testament. It means certainty. It's not cross your fingers and hope to die. I hope, I wish, I wish. I... No, no. It's certainty. That's the way the original language defines hope. So when Jesus provides lasting certainty is what he means. It's a sure foundation. All other ground, we used to sing the song, is what? Sinking sand. And that's true. Well, there are two examples in our, in our, in our account in the text today that of utter hopelessness, revealing to us that Jesus is your only hope and he's my only hope. There is none other. And this is good news for us, where we live in a world that is broken, don't we? It is broken. It's a Humpty Dumpty world. We talked about that the other week. He sat on the wall. He had a great fall. All the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. I mean, that's the broken world we live in. And people are broken. And maybe you, even today, I'm sure there are areas of your life broken and shattered in areas where you're feeling hopeless. Is there any hope? Any hope? We'll look at the examples. In verses 12 to 16, we find the first example, that of the leper. Jesus touches the untouchable, and he heals him. It's a great story, and it really happened. Here we see that those of us who humbly appeal to the Lord Jesus find grace. We humble ourselves before him and cast ourselves upon him. He is there and he cares for us. Well, A, while Jesus was teaching, the text begins in verse 12. He's in one of the towns of Galilee. Um, in the midst of his instruction, he's the great teacher, the great preacher. He's the, he's, uh, he's the great one. Then right in the middle of, of, of that, uh, an outcast, a leper, if you will, came into town, huge words here, and he threw himself at the feet of Jesus. Uh, that was not uh, the norm. You see, leopards just didn't walk into town. I think I'll go to McDonald's. I'll get one of those Happy Meals. No, no. In that culture, in, the, in that day, leprosy uh, was considered the living death. I mean, it was a death sentence and hanging over your head if you contracted it. Uh, but you were still breathing and maybe warm in parts, and maybe parts are gone, 
that fell off at the joint, and as this living death progressed in its uh, horribleness. In the Bible, uh, leprosy included all sorts of skin ailments, with the most extreme form producing death. Uh, Today, we often think of Hansen's disease as being uh, the biblical leprosy, but uh, it included that and far more uh, skin ailments and rashes and infections and and so on. And God's Word is really clear in Leviticus 13, His instruction for the protection of the community, that if someone had a skin disease like this that was utterly contagious and infectious, that they would be outside of the community of family and, and, and people, uh, in isolation, if you will. Uh, it, uh, it was deeply dreaded. Uh, it was perhaps uh, like the HIV or AIDS of our days or the Ebola virus. You know, how, uh, we, you know we had a little scare of that with uh, H1N1 and what are we going to do with that and some of the early announcements. I guess we won't have church and we won't have school and we've got to isolate and stay in our home. And I'm, I was wondering about such things when the pronouncements were made last year and uh, and all that. Thank the Lord it didn't come about like that, and I think we're through most of it. It was dreaded. It was the dreaded. Some people treat cancer, though we've made great headways in that in our day. Thank the Lord for that. But they treat cancer like that. Well, leper, the leper was banished from all of life in this miserable and humiliating form of apartheid he would be isolated from his family, friends, his livelihood. It was dreaded. It was the dreaded disease that caused him to live outside of town. It was worse than that. And some, some of these lepers, and they would congregate together, they put a bell around their neck and just to ring to, if anyone would hear, they whoa, stay away from them. Or they would have to yell by the Scriptures, unclean, unclean. And so they were separated outside of town. Now, these things would strike of all sorts of ages, you know. It, 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 and so here you are in the middle of life. You're loving life. You, you know, you're happily married to your husband, and you got some babies along the way, and some skin ailment. What is this? And your life was instantly changed. You kissed them goodbye. Maybe you packed up a few items, and you were banished. Now think about that. Maybe you were the intellectual of the town, and and uh, you were the the teacher at the rabbinical school, and and what's that growing on my skin? And your career came to a screeching halt. And you were done. And you were no longer able to be touched. Isn't human touch a wonderful thing? Give a hug and a kiss and love to hold Faithy's hand. And, and, you know, they say in a married couple, you can tell how much a couple love each other by how often they touch each other. I didn't say where they touch, but if they touch. And I find that true with Faithy. I'll go, if we're in the same vicinity, I'll reach out and just, I just want to touch her, know that she's there, you know. Just, just a touch. We'll drive in the car, I'll hold her hand at points. So you, you say, just touch, and you know. You, know. you say, oh, you've seen my driving, keep both on the wheel, right? Well, you know, that, you, you know what I'm saying like that, that touch. Now you're banished. No longer any human touch. I want you to just think about the horribleness of this disease. No cure. In our Bible, we have the Old Testament where Nahum, the, the general of the Syrian army, I mean, he had everything going. He was wealthy and all that. And he got leprosy. And God wonderfully healed him. There, it's silent. Now we come, this is, it breaks again in our Bible. To this occasion, a leper is going to be healed by Jesus. And then there's only one other, one the ten. Remember the ten in Jericho? Only one came back and gave thanks. Those are the only three accounts of lepers being healed. It was a dreaded, horrible 
death sentence. Terrible. Unclean, unclean. You had to scream that out, unclean. You know, in India, they, uh, and still, they still do in some parts, they have the caste system. Now, we in America don't understand that because though we're not equal, that's kind of goofy, you know. People say, we're all equal. No, we're not all equal. We're equal before the law, equal in opportunity, but please, we're not all equal. Have you noticed, you know? Some people are smarter than others. Some people are more able. I can't throw a football like the Colts quarterback. It's not fair. Life's not fair. But it's a whole lot better here than in India where they have a caste system. You know the bottom of the caste system? is They're called the untouchables. Phil Riken waxes eloquently on this in his writings and reminded me of that. They were the scum of the earth. Yet no one touched the untouchables. They're the bottom. And once you're in, you're frozen. I mean, there's no shooting ladders. I'm going up to the top here. No way. You're out. And you, ha- you, you had the worst jobs. You carried all the body fluids and whatever else on the very scum. You carried the dead bodies out if you're the untouchable class in India. Another parallel idea of perhaps what it was like to be a leper. Untouchable frozen in this death sentence, living outside the camp. Wow. And in our text, and let's just read it again, while Jesus was in one of the towns, verse 12, a man came along in town who was covered. He had full-blown, advanced stage of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell down. Let me just give one more interlude here in B. In the Bible, leprosy is also used as a symbol for sin. Sin, of course, makes us unclean before holy God. Holy God. Our depravity disfigures and distorts like leprosy does to our body. It distorts the person God created us to be. Isn't it heartbreaking to see people who... Uh, lives have been so mangled by rebellion and sin and disobedience. And in the course of time, their lives reflect nothing of what we think they could have been apart from the ugliness and the horror of sin. Horrible. Have you ever seen some of uh, folks who we say are are really down and out and, and, and maybe outcast, and maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's prostitution, maybe it's all sorts of things, and, and their lives are so different of what they could have been. And all the rest of us, to a different degree, sin does that. It distorts. It disfigures us uh, from what we could have been. Paul asked, in Romans 7, 24, uh, in his text, O wretched man that I am. That's just, this is the Apostle Paul. Who shall deliver me from the, the body of this death? Left to ourselves, like Paul, because of our sin, we are hopeless. We must recognize our desperate need and ask Jesus to cleanse us, to cast ourselves upon him. Well, see, let's go back to the leper in our text. Jesus responds uh, in an amazing way. It's shocking and amazing. He reaches out his hand in verse 13. He reaches out his hand and he touched the man. He didn't have to. Because he said, you know, let's keep like five feet away here. You're, you're unclean physically. You got a, maybe a contagious, infectious disease. You're ceremonially unclean, but our Lord goes over to this man who's covered probably head to toe, maybe missing fingers and joints and all the rest. It was an advanced stage, as Dr. Luke uh, with a physician eye tells us, and he touches him. It's unexpected. It's completely amazing. Nobody ever did this. Nobody did it. Nobody. Nobody did that. Stay away. What compassion. You can't read it without seeing the pronounced compassion that God has for us as lost sinners with a malady far worse than leprosy because of our sin. 
seen in his touch of this leper, the compassion of the Lord Jesus. It's so beautiful. He touches him. He didn't have to. He could have just said the word, but he did. And instantly, you notice it wasn't like three weeks later. You know, we, some would have figured out maybe he, it wasn't anything serious and he recovered. Maybe it was the chicken pox, right? Maybe, maybe he got poison ivy or poison oak. Boy, I've, I've had both of those pretty badly. And they'll come and revisit me from time to time. Oh, my word. Holy cow. Maybe, you know, like all three weeks later, you know, take a little Benadryl. Don't you love that stuff when you're swelling up? Give me some more of that, you know. Uh, I'm not a medical doctor. Don't take that advice. But uh, instantly, he touches him. I am willing, be thou clean. It's a picture, ultimately and finally, of our bodies when when they're glorified, and they'll, it'll be all reversed. You're going to look better than ever, and me too. And not only won't we have a sin nature, but our bodies are actually going to work without titanium implants and all the rest. Won't it be great? I am willing, be thou clean. And the Lord heals him instantly. Wow. Instantly. The power and the compassion of Jesus. Well, Jesus is able to touch the hurting places, not only in his life, but our lives, and he makes us whole. He's able to to touch the areas of brokenness, areas of hopelessness in your life. I don't know what it might be, but the Lord knows that. He's ready to give up. This man was hopeless. The Lord was there for him. It was no accident. It was of God's timing and place. His love, his compassion, his power to make him whole. Actually, that's what the words in the Greek, sozo, means in Greek. For saved, it means to be saved and be made whole. To be made whole. That's what God does when he saves us. He cleanses us, gives us a new disposition, and we become whole. And finally, it'll be glorified. Won't that be something? And then what does he do? He sends you and I out into a world to touch others who hurt. That's what we're to do. And as he touches us, uh, we're able to help others. Well, three, finally, Jesus sends, the, sends this healed leper now to the priest, who is like a public health inspector from Leviticus 13. He had to go there, and he had to offer the sacrifice. It was a great testimony to the priest. They had memorized, they had to memorize the Pentateuch, particularly the book of Luke. And uh, as far as I know, they never had in history of Israel ever performed the sacrifices for the healing of a leper. And they had memorized it. You know, it's like, why am I memorizing this? I'm never going to use it. And God was like setting them up for decades and decades of time and finally, someone comes knocking on the door to the priest, said, uh, Jesus healed me, and I'm here uh, for you to in- inspect me so I can offer the sacrifices, so I can re-enter my relationships of life, re-enter the community. What a great reunion. And the priest says, what's this? Wait a minute. We've never seen this. Let me look at this. They were the public health inspector looking at it. And that skin was softer than a, do you love a baby's skin? More beautiful. They come out smelling pretty good. We get pretty raunchy in short order, but they smell pretty good when they're babies, don't they? We had three of them, I know, but they, they lose that pretty quick. It's like the new car smell. But, you know, they do sell that in a can. You can kind of give it a little shot, new car smell, even though it's a junker. But they don't do that with, uh, I don't know why that is. But anyway... Uh, the, the priest looked, and that, that flesh was as pink and as, as healthy. And, and it's, is it any wonder when you read in Acts, then, I'm kind of jumping ahead, when uh, the early church, there are some of the priests that were saved at Pentecost and beyond. Dr. Luke actually says, and they were priests, and they were saved. They got the message, and God was calling out some of these. Wow. What a reunion. God restores relationships, doesn't he? Uh, relationships that are horrible 
in our homes and family, at work, in other places through the gospel, his healing touch as he cares for our leprosy, that of sin, and makes us whole. Well, finally, Jesus uh, uh, has this thronging crowds around him, and you can imagine the popularity. It's getting harder and harder and draining him and harder for him to find quiet time to pray. But the verse reminds us in, in verse 16 that he still find, found time to steal to a lonely place, out, probably outside uh, in the countryside a great while before dawn, and he prays. Well, the Jesus, Jesus touches the untouchable, the, this hopeless man, and he heals him. And it's a reminder to those of us who humbly appeal to him, humble ourselves and throw ourselves upon him. He extends grace and mercy to us. He does. He does. He will do that. What are your needs? and What are your burdens? We are the leprous for his glory, for his touch. He'll mend that brokenness. There have been times in, in my life and our life where we have wept many tears for all sorts of things, loss of life and loved ones, disappointments and brokenness. And when it hurts so bad, you think it's never going to go away, right? Have you been there like that? We, we just would, Faithy and I pray on our knees and say, Lord, help us. Meet us in our brokenness. It seems like the sun will never come up. And I'm here to say the sun did come up, and God did mend our hearts. And the result is that he drew us even closer to himself. That you, we can't figure it humanly, but we love the Lord now more than we have ever loved the Lord. Through the ups and downs, the brokenness and the tears, than otherwise. It really works. And being Americans, right, we're so pragmatic, we're not big on philosophy. We just want to know, does it work? Quit to the chase, get to the bottom line, does it work? I'm telling you, it works. It works. Cast your every care upon him. Humble yourself. Come before him. Today, whatever, even every little need or burden you have, and give it to him. Come in and throw yourself at his feet for mercy like this leper, and you'll discover he's there, and he'll meet you. Wow. Hope for the hopeless. That's us at points, isn't it? If you're here and you don't know Jesus, you're hopeless. It's not a matter of being good. You can't be good enough. You have to come humbly. The way to heaven is low, right? Blessed are the humble. We come and kneel at the foot of Christ. It's good news and bad news. We have done the bad news, and he has done it all. And he invites you to come. Come and receive me, and you'll be saved today, and I'll wash it all away. It matters not what sin. I don't care how leprous it may look, how raunchy it may be, how horrible it may stink. He'll take it all. And he does. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Well, there's a second example, and we'll be done. Not only the leper, but the paralytic. It reveals in verses 17 to 26, Jesus' ability to forgive sin by healing this uh, man who was paralyzed. It's interesting because this is one of those very rare accounts from the life of the Lord Jesus that appears in each of the four Gospels. That's really rare. I mean, you have the resurrection. That appears in each of the four Gospels. Uh, and you have a few other things that appear. This is one of them. And it's like God saying, don't miss this. You may miss a whole lot. Don't miss this. It's like your teacher, right? You're going to have a final exam. <laughs> and they do a review. And she goes to the board and she underlines something about five times. And you're sitting there thinking about milkshakes and lunch and maybe football practice after. And you're like, oh, that might mean something. She underlined it four times. I wonder if that's going to be on the test tomorrow. You're right. That's the same idea. 
when God stutters, and he doesn't stutter, but he repeats it four times, it's for our attention, not his. And he says, don't miss this. And it's the story of the paralytic. Jesus reveals his power to forgive sin. Well, here we discover that persistent faith triumphs. As four men, Mark's gospel, chapter 2, tells us in his account, there were four men who would not be hindered from bringing their friend to Jesus. Uh, let's just glance again at verse 17 and read a couple of the verses. Uh, one day, as Jesus was teaching the Pharisees and the, and the scribes, the teachers of the law, who had come from every village of Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there. And uh, verse 18, and some men... Uh, came carrying a paralytic on a mat, and they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. They're trying to bring him in, but they couldn't do it. There were obstacles in the way, right? So some of you know the story better than others. There's crowds around the house. It's crowded in the house. You got the religious elite sitting there, and this is the first time that Luke tells us of their presence in the Lord's hearing. You see, he wasn't from their uh, rabbinical graduate Ivy League school. He didn't get their degree. He didn't get their credential. He wasn't ordained by them. But they were hearing the crowd and the rumors, and so they were dispatched. Go find out about this guy. We don't know about him. We're not sure. He doesn't have our imprimata on him. He might be out there. So they're sitting there as spies. They're not just saying, oh, yippee, we got 50-yard line seats here. This will be great. Mm-mm. They're sitting there with a whole other agenda. Well, hey, Jesus now in another place. He's in a house. He's teaching God's Word again. Kind of get the idea the Lord was a teacher. He's teaching and he's preaching, right? For the first time, Luke tells us that these religious scholars are sitting there listening to him. They're spies. B. Meanwhile, uh, outside the house, four men are unable to bring their friend to Jesus. But they're creative. you got to love it. They're so creative. Now, in that day, the roofs were typically flat. In the afternoon, without air conditioning, oh, where would we be without that? We're so wimpy, right? <laughs> but we're glad for it. Thank you, Lord, for such things. Uh, they, in the afternoon, they get the nice breeze off the Mediterranean, and they'd sit usually on their their porches on the, above the first floor, there'd be a little railing uh, of masonry up, and they'd sit in the afternoon, get the breeze, and it would feel so good. Usually a stairway going up the outside of the house. You can imagine what it looked like. They couldn't get in, so they said, hey, create it. Let's go up on the top side. We'll carry them up, and we uh, will uh, get up there and see what we find. They find the roof. It's flat. They begin to take it apart. Uh, Jesus is teaching down below. Can you see it? Uh, debris is dropping. And are they be plaster or this junk, this stuff falling down, and probably more, maybe some pottery and some dirt. And the Lord is teaching. Everyone is looking up, and what is going on? And then also looking up, and someone sticks their head through. You kind of get the idea here, right? Then they tear out some more of the roof. And uh, somehow uh, they must be uh, mountain climbers because they did some rigging. Somehow, right? Yeah, they had some, what do they call those little hooks? Yeah, cara carabiners. Carab is that right, Tex? Carabiner, yeah. Yeah, and it, I, they probably didn't have that. But they uh, lowered him, lowered him down. And, and it, bingo, right? Here he comes. It's, I mean, it's quite a, quite, it's crowded, and here, here he is now. Drops down right before the Lord. Now, that's creative. You got it. They were, they were so burdened. They were without hope anywhere else. Our friend needs Jesus. We got to get him there. Now, don't miss that. And they weren't like, oh, there's a full house. We'll come back manana. I don't know. Maybe the guy was going to die too. I don't know. They weren't like, oh, it's a little cold outside. Oh, we don't know this place. You know, we're like so good on excuses, aren't we? You know, they say an excuse is only believed really by the one who is saying it. You know, but we keep saying it hoping that, you know, they were persistent, weren't they? In bringing this one to Jesus. 
There's hope nowhere else. You know, we ought to be like that. We're so wimpy the way we are. We know people are lost and without hope around us. We're like, oh, oh, I'm afraid. Oh, they won't like me. Oh, we meet pretty early for church yet. No, we would never, oh, oh, oh. And we, you know, you know, you know, uh, and we have to give an answer to the Lord someday. Well, why were you such a, you know, what's the matter with you? And we just have to be honest. Really, I was just cold-hearted, Lord, and I really didn't care about them. They could go to hell. I really didn't care to bring anyone to Jesus. And he'll say what? Get over here. And you won't want to be that one. Now, we're not all evangelists. We're not all pastor teachers. Thank the Lord. If we were, I wouldn't have a job, right? <laughs> but we're a body life, and we're a family. And you know what? I was talking to Jeff yesterday. Just love people. Care for them. You don't have to back the truck and give them the whole thing at one time. Oh, well, there you go, you know. Just love them and care for them. Be the hands and the feet and the arms that carry people to Jesus. Overcome the obstacles. Get the longer view. Give them a, a, a good book to read. Hey, you may want to read. I give out books to people. Sometimes some very recent people, people that have been highly educated but brainwashed in an atheistic. I, I, I not only talk to them, I give them something to read on their own time in their own way that points them to the Lord and their need of Christ. All kinds of things you can do. Bake some bread. Be a good neighbor. Realize that uh, the Lord has strategically placed you not only in your home, your neighborhood, your office, where you work, your school, for His glory. And carry people to Jesus. Where would you be if someone hadn't told you? It shouldn't be, you know, last one in, close the door. I'm in, boy, that's great. I got fire insurance. You know, the rest of the world is damned. I'd love to see us as a church. We need to develop a great, far greater heart for our community and their needs and for the souls of men and women, boys and girls, that we would be the church unleashed, that we would carry someone. and We wouldn't stop. Oh, it's a little cold outside. We'll stay home today. No, they look at their determination. I mean, that really puts us to shame, doesn't it? They knew he was hopeless, and they believed that the Lord was the answer, and he was. And the Lord saw their, their faith. We're going to see that here. Did you know and see that your faith can be seen? <laughs> you say, like, well, faith is, just, is, is I'm trusting the Lord. But you know, it can be seen. Jesus said, I, I've seen, he has seen their faith, and it's plural. The men's faith carrying and the one on the stretcher. Well, how do, they, how do you see faith? Well, you see faith through works. It's James 2, you know. Faith alone saves, but a faith that is alone does not save. Works are the, the true demonstrators of genuine faith. And your faith will leak out all over your life and evidence itself if it's genuine. Jesus said, I see I, I've, I see, uh, he is seen, when, uh, verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, now the man is right in front of him, he says, your sins are forgiven. Well, Jesus doesn't, isn't it interesting indeed, he doesn't heal him at first. And you, you read it, it's sort of like, no, wait a minute, Lord, you missed the point. This guy, we're not dealing with sin here, this guy can't walk. And he's desperate, and he's hopeless. It's like, it, it's like he misses it. Not really. But do you see that? I mean, they're bringing him down so that he can walk out. And what does Jesus say? He's doing some religious thing about, you know, your sins are forgiven. You can't miss that when you see it. He forgives his sin because of his saving faith and trust. What Jesus does deliberately is to bring focus to his real purpose in coming. He's going to notch it up now. He's not just the teacher. He's not just the preacher. He's not just the one to give him a free lunch 
Oh, that's great. We'll keep going with him. We'll just get the free lunch. This is better than the government's program, you know? Fish and bread. Oh, isn't that great? And also he heals. Isn't that great? The Lord is notching up now and revealing his purpose and mission in coming. It's going to deal with sin. It's going to deal with the issue of sin and our need to be forgiven sin. John MacArthur writes, Forgiveness is both mankind's greatest need and God's most important gift to you and to me. And he's right. He does not, he is not just a teacher, he's not just a healer, but he is the promised Lamb of God who's going to take away the sin of the world. Well, of course, in verse 21, these religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, they go nuts. They are about ready to come unglued here now. And they're going to accuse him of blasphemy, uh, 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 speaking horrible things against God and claiming things that only God does. But I remind you that they're correct in their initial words. Uh, did you catch that? Their initial words saying that uh, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy Verse 21, who can forgive sins but God alone? A plus. It was a two-part exam. Have you ever had those? Part A, part two? Some of you forgot to turn the page over and see the second part, and you wonder, oh, my, oh, my. And your friend tells you in the hallway, how'd you do on that second part? <gasps> second part? I didn't see it. It's a two-part. Yeah, they did real good on the first. Only God can forgive sin. A plus. They missed the second part. They missed what Jesus was revealing. And that is that he is God incarnate. And therefore, right, he and he can forgive sin. And they missed that completely. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he deals with something far greater than this man's inability to walk. But he deals with his sin, and he forgives. Well, the question, don't you love it? Jesus asked them a question. I love that. Uh, in verse 22, why are you thinking these things? In verse 23, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Which is easier? Which is easier? Which is easier to say? Well, he doesn't mean which is easier to get the words out of your mouth. He doesn't mean that. Of course, that's, they're both the same. They're just words. Which is easier to say and have it come about? Well, it's easy to say your sins are forgiven, but what? Your eyes don't turn like purple. Okay, yeah, it's happened. It's unverifiable. It's like uh, some nut saying to his girlfriend, I love you so much, I'm going to create a star out there just for you. Ready? Close your eyes. Woo! It's done. Where is it? It's right up there. See it? It's a star just for you. You crazy nut. You see, it's easy to say your sins are forgiven. Easy to say your sins are forgiven. Why? It's unverifiable. But he wants them to know that uh, he is there to deal with a sin issue. And so that they might know that he has the authority and the power to forgive sins. So he connects it to this. He says to the paralyzed man, take up your bed and walk. Pick your bed up. No, get up, take your bed, and go home is what he says. Three commands. And he did. And that must have been something. Not like some sort of televangelist craziness, you know, hit them in the head and they fall back. And that crazy, no. We're talking real here. The God who made life and sustains it and holds it all together, our creator, our redeemer, that you may know that I have the power to forgive sin. Take up your bed and walk and go home. Amazing. What high drama. Wow. The truth is this. Only God can do both of these. Only God can forgive sins. 
And only God can say, take up your bed and walk. Only God can do that. And I remind you, one man writes, sins forgiven may be easy to say, but in reality, it was the hardest thing to do, for it cost Jesus his very life. Well, the reaction is always mixed, isn't it? Always mixed. The crowd, they don't all stand up and give an applause, yell encore, encore, like we're at some great concert and we bring him out and we see him sing again, James Taylor or someone. No. They're amazed. They're at wonder, but there are some that hate him. It's always that way. Whenever you preach the gospel, a lot are indifferent. Some believe, but others walk out and say, that guy's an idiot. He's a crackpot. And it's the same thing with Jesus here. And in fact, they decided at that point that uh, uh, this, this guy's got to go. He's of Satan. He's doing this by the power of Beelzebub, Satan. And that's why I say on your sheet, his journey at this very day now begins to the cross. Think about it. It was all cheers prior to this. But now he's notched it up, sins the problem, he's here to deal with it, he is the only one that can forgive, he's not of their school, he's outside the establishment, he must die. And it will play out according to God's timetable as he approaches the cross in the months that follow here. And so the journey to the cross begins today. Well, what people need more than anything else is someone to bring them to Jesus, just like the four men here. Let me encourage you, do whatever you can to overcome the obstacles. I pray that God would burden your hearts to uh, that there different people's faces would not be out of your mind, that you would be the, the hands and the feet and, 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 and the ears and the eyes and the mouth of Jesus to them, that you would love people enough to bring them by hook or by crook, to the cross and to the Savior. You know, the very least you could do is, uh, is just uh, forward our, our new musings page to them. Say, hey, you may want to read this. And you might be surprised, you being in the way God used you. And it may bounce all around the world, and God could use that. At a very minimum, you could do that. And say, wow, and help carry someone else to the Lord. What lengths are you willing to go to introduce them to Jesus? Remember, they are hopeless without Christ. Absolutely hopeless. Hopeless. Well, what do we say by way of lessons for our life? Number one. Number one, if you're not a Christian, if you have never trusted Christ the Lord as your Savior, you have something far worse than leprosy. We were all born with it. I was as well as you. It's a sin problem. It's rebellion. The essence of sin is rebellion. This is God's world. You, you, you are a sinner and you're lost. And God doesn't balance it out. Oh, you're sort of good and you got sort of sin and evil and okay, it tips the scale, welcome into heaven. No, you're lost. You're lost. You need to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior from sin. You need to acknowledge him, Lord, I'm a, I'm a sinner, I'm lost. You have to understand the love of God, that Christ died to make the payment that you could not make to satisfy the wrath of God, his justice, that you would be saved. Oh, do that today. Today. Don't wait. If I can help, I'm here to do that. Come to Christ and be saved today. Number two. Come with your many needs, and don't we have them? Sometimes they're more pronounced than other times. Sometimes we're just pushed right to the end, and we go like, I don't know if I can go another day. And sometimes life is like that. It's broken. It's a broken world and broken people all around. Come with your many needs. Come humbly to Jesus. Give them to him. Put it in a prayer book and write it down specifically. Maybe it's a financial need. Maybe it's uh, medical issues with your children or grandchildren. We've had those. Uh, may, maybe it's a loss of a, of a mom or dad or someone who died who, 
Maybe it's a business, or maybe it's the employment issue, or you're underemployed, or, or maybe it's just a, a neighbor that's like Satan to you, you know, wishes you dropped dead, you know, that happens. I've had that too, you know, years ago. Oh, my, don't tell Mrs. Murphy I said it. But it's true, whatever it is, you know, just pray about that. Cast that to Him, your many needs. Come to Jesus. Number three. If you have been healed uh, by the gospel, to use the therapeutic language, if you've been healed, if you've been saved, then you must now carry others to Jesus. Who are you carrying? Carry someone to the Lord. Be persistent. And you'll discover that the Lord will be there and meet them, and meet you and strengthen you. He wants to use you. The truth of it is, I think I said it before, if you and I refuse in what little ways or bigger ways that we can be a part of God calling out of people, if we refuse, God will raise up others, and you'll lose the blessing that he wants you to have and he wants me to have. So let's, let's do that. Let's carry folks to Jesus. Number four, rejoice. Our God is a God who's compassionate. Aren't you glad for that? Our God is a God of love. We love because He first loved us. He is a loving God. Loving, compassionate, merciful. And we are too also to love the unlovely, the smelly, the down and out. Leprous. I didn't even talk about the stink of a leper. They, they stank. It was awful. And so should we. So should we. Number five and last, remember, Jesus is our only hope, our only hope. And apart from a touch from him in our life, we would be hopeless, hopeless in utter darkness. Well, he's a mankind, he's your hope and my, our only hope. Wow. As seen in these two men, the leper and the paralytic. I thought we might uh, stand in closing and just sing one of the old uh, Gaithard songs. Many of you may know it. He touched me. Uh, We'll sing the two uh, uh, stanzas uh, and the chorus, and we'll close in prayer. Let's stand and sing it. The words are up on the screen.
floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know He touched me.